1: SHUT UP, Shut up, up, up and, AND SIT, sit DOWN! down. Hello <laughs> guys, I'm sorry. welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On our channel, you can find podcasts, interviews and content on a whole host of subjects, including football, mental health, films, TV, conspiracy theories... Writing, wrestling, serial killers, music, and more. Uh, You'll find today's guest writing on Fightful.com and some of their wrestling podcasts. I'm really excited to welcome an incredibly talented writer and someone you'll be familiar with if you follow uh, the fantastic Fightful.com. Joining me today is Jeremy Lambert. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for
0: joining me, mate. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good, good fun. If I feel like uh, I've had like everyone a fightful there over the last few months, been sort of going through the uh, going through the roster a bit, but like Sean's done a really good job of getting a group of really sort of good, talented, hardworking people all in the same place, working in the same place. Um, and I was talking to him about that, actually, when I had um, <clears throat> Andrew Thompson on the show. It's that there's like yourself and Andrew and Sean, and then you've got people like Alex and Jeff and people who do the podcasts and people who've left as well. It's, um, he's got a good collection of people, I think.
0: Yeah, we got, a, we got a good team at Fightful. I, I interact with Andrew and Sean daily in our Skype chats, and we have a lot of fun. Sometimes we do some work, but a lot of time it's just mm-hmm. joking around uh, nonsense, wrestling, and conspiracy theories, and a lot of basketball. So we, we have fun. We try to work a little bit. But, yeah, it's a, it's a good group. Those are two really good guys who have been just really generous to me over the last almost year now since I joined full-time.
1: Yeah, so – Sorry. <laughs> um, before we get into the no doubt talking a bit of wrestling and uh, some other bits and bobs, I wanted to talk to you a bit about uh, the post you put up on Twitter earlier. So obviously, um, I sort of tweeted you a bit about your writing on, you know, just if you put up like a good article or whatnot on and off. Um, and then a few weeks ago, you would put up a post saying. I can't remember the exact words in, but it was something like you were sort of struggling a bit or you were feeling a bit down. Um, So I sort of shot you a DM um, just to offer a a, a listening ear, really, and just, you know, say if you are all right and whatever. We had a little chat and whatnot. Uh, And then here we are. You're on on the show as well. But um, obviously we do a lot of shows with – we've got sort of two series with mental health. We do one where we focus – on a different uh, mental health condition and then we speak to like a medical professional a doctor or we'll speak to parents of people who've affected by those uh, that condition or people who are affected by the conditions and then we've got another one which is uh, where we it's mental health and sport where we speak to sports psychologists and ex-athletes and things like that um something which i'm really passionate about i've struggled myself with mental health issues over the years um so, you tweeted uh, like a post from your pa- Patreon today, um, and it sort of was reflecting on. I think it was two years ago. Yeah. Um, so, tell me like where you were two years ago when that—that that what that post is referring to, or like what was going on with you
0: um yeah i i first off i think it's great that you do a lot of work with mental health um hearing all those podcasts you just mentioned i, I definitely got to check some of those out because i'm i'm a big big advocate of, of mental health because really two years ago like literally to the day and that's why i wrote this post and it was uh very tough for me to to write about because i never like talked about it in a in an open public form before just kind of to my my family and my close friends um i was i was really just at a low point um and things weren't going well in my relationship um things weren't going well for me professionally things weren't going well for some of my family members uh i was at the i was at this party and, and like it was a party for me and for my wife like it was a celebration my my wife is a uh she's been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis and she uh, had a double lung transplant. So she has a lot of um, health issues, unfortunately. And I was just feeling very down about a lot of things. And and we had this party and she had to leave the party early because she wasn't feeling well. And I was like, well, this really sucks. Like this is a party for us and she's not here to like celebrate. And I was Drunk off my ass. A lot of tequila. Can I curse? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. Cool. Carry on. Okay.
0: Uh, I was really drunk. A lot of tequila, which doesn't do well with me. A um, lot of just a lot of drinks because it was all free and just really drunk, really feeling bad. Got home. Um, and I don't know, just I wanted to sleep. I really wanted to sleep. And so I took my I took two sleeping pills in, instead of my my one usual sleeping pill like I still couldn't sleep and I so I took another one and then I slept for like two hours and then I woke up and like I was just so mad and like I because of my wife's um illnesses she she has a a lot of pain pills around and so I went into our medicine cabinet and I was like well I'm just gonna take these and I like I I want to sleep but then I knew how much I was taking and i i was almost playing i guess russian roulette with my life of all right i'm either going i'm going to take these and i'm either going to sleep really well because this is a good mixture or i'm not going to wake up and if i don't wake up i'm okay with that because i i don't know if i really want to wake up right now so i took them um fortunately i i did wake up the next day i was i was certainly groggy for the next couple of days actually um but yeah, like, that, that's where I was. I, I wanted to escape. I, I wanted to just... I wasn't happy with just about every aspect of my life, and I, I was ready to just be done with it all.
1: Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. I've um, been there myself on a few occasions over the years, um, and I think what I've realized, certainly, over the last few years is because my wife, I had a car accident in 2008, which means I have to take quite strong pain medication to be able to sort of get out and get up and about and stuff throughout the day. Um, so I can't really drink. But what I found is over the last few years where I haven't really... I'll have like the occasional beer or a glass of wine with my wife. But I very rarely drink. And what I found is that I actually... I still have periods where I feel quite down or I feel like I'm struggling, but then I find them a bit easier to cope with because I don't drink. And I think when you feel low or you're feeling down or you're struggling with your sort of your mental health, drinking is like the worst, worst thing you can do because you wake up hungover, feel terrible. You feel even worse about everything which you felt like the day before. Quite often if you've been like a party or something like that. You may have had an argument with, you know, your partner or your wife or whatever it may be. And it just, it can be like a never ending thing. And um, I did a show with a football journalist, Phil, uh, Phil Brown. Uh, we did a show on grief and depression, which was really kind of cathartic because we spoke for like, I think it was about an hour and 15 minutes um, about the issues that we both had with grief. Um, and I don't want to go into it all over now because there's a whole show on it and it's like a big thing. But, like, like I talked about the issues which I, that I'd had with drinking when in my early 20s, where I would just drink in the morning, drinking, just keep drinking all the time um, to avoid feeling like crap basically. Um, and Phil was very similar, he had done the same, but with sort of pain pills. And I feel like after the show, I was exhausted, like just completely emotionally exhausted, and I went to sleep. And then the next day, I sort of woke up, and I had loads of texts and private messages on Twitter and Facebook, and it was just people who I had either not spoken to for years or not really spoken to ever, and they were sort of saying, you know, I'm really struggling, um, can you help me, can you talk to me, you know, just different things. And from that moment, I was like, right, I'm going to keep doing these mental health shows and I'm going to keep talking about it. Some of them are going to be really uncomfortable and difficult, but I feel like that's the best way to get people to deal with like, things if they're struggling. Um, so, like, I was reading through your post because I obviously I messaged you because I wanted to check if you were happy to talk about it before I just sort of threw it on you. Right. Um, and like you said, like some of the, the wording of it, is, you know, it's quite heavy stuff. It's, you said, um, like, put those pills down, not down your throat, down back into the bottle. And obviously you're a writer, so like you've got a way with words anyway. But it it's quite clear from the wording and the way you're talking about it that it was literally, it wasn't... Um, like a sort of like not like a cry for help sort of thing you know you were you were happy to if you didn't wake up at, at that point and i'm really glad today that you're still here and you're still going uh so that was two years ago um do you still drink and stuff now
0: no i I kept drinking for another year. I've been sober for a year, just over a year now. Um, back in May was my my one year anniversary. Um yeah, I, I kept doing it for another year. Like after after everything happened that night two years ago, I, I actually nearly tried again like later that week because I was still feeling I, I think still kind of buzzed from everything and, and still just unhappy. And then I got into um, a therapy program, but I didn't I didn't take therapy serious for the first year. And that's really like one of the, the worst things you can do is, you know, you can go to therapy. But if you're just going just to like say you showed up and to give the impression that you're trying to get help, but you're not actually like committed to doing it. It's it's truthfully not going to help. I don't feel and and I don't feel for that first year. It helped me and it had nothing to do with my therapist. It had everything to do with I'm here. You know, I'm not doing well. Let me just kind of talk and tell you some things, but I'm not going to like anything we talk about when I leave here. I'm not going to apply any of that to, to anything. And so it didn't do anything. And last year I, I kind of hit another breaking point. There was no, no suicide attempt, but it was just kind of another breaking point in my life. And that was the point where I was like, okay, I've been doing therapy for a year. I, something's got to change. I've, I've got to change something with just how I approach it. And, and so I changed my approach to therapy. I got into group therapy and, and I, I, I tweeted this a couple of weeks ago because I, I recently graduated from um, my group therapy class and like group therapy, I really can't say enough of just how it, it changed my life. And, and just going to that every week, talking to those people, because you, you realize when you, you know, when you reach the point that I was at and it sounds like you, you've been at like you think you're alone. And like, that's the worst feeling in the world is just you, you think you're alone. And so like, that's why you reach that point is I'm alone. No one cares. If I do something, no one's going to miss. Me. And, and so like, that's how I felt when you go when I went to group therapy, like there were other people going through struggles as well. And I saw them every week and I heard their stories. And even though it was only three hours a week, you know, they share a piece of their life with you. Telling you their stories, and you realize that hey, other people are going through struggles as well. You're not alone in what you're going through. You have a support system here who you can talk to, who you can open up with. You know, make an effort to to try to to get better because um, these people are making an effort as well, and you don't want to almost let down the group in a way, especially when you get to know them really well. So, group therapy, going to that a year ago. Like, really, really changed my life um, with with everything. So, yeah, I've been sober for a year. Uh, As I kind of wrote in the post, like, I'm at a a really good point in my life. Um, Personally, professionally, relationship, like, yeah, there are still things that suck. Um, I think the uh, Twitter uh, tweet you mentioned where I was down is is my grandma is going through stuff right now. And and she doesn't have uh, very long to live, unfortunately. But... I'm better equipped to deal with it today than I would have had this happened a year ago or two years ago because of uh, the therapy work that I've done and just where I'm at in my life now.
1: Yeah, group therapy, I think, is an interest. I've never done it. I've always done it like one-to-one. And I think you are absolutely spot on in what you say. It's with therapy, whether it's group or individual or whatever it is any type of therapy, marriage counselling or gambling or drinking, if you half ass it and you just you're just there to appease your other half or you're just there to appease your job or you know whatever the reason is or if you just you kind of know that you need some help but you're not really interested in stopping drinking or stopping doing drugs or you know whatever it may be gambling. If you half ass it it'll never ever work. Um, so like I smoke quite heavily still um, and I'm going to be trying to give up but very soon I've tried to give up loads of times but I've never really fully committed to it it's been like I I should give up it's expensive I kind of want to give up but I never really fully committed to it so it was never ever going to work so I might have done a few months here, a few months there over the years. But it's the same as drinking or therapy or anything. Is If you don't apply yourself fully and if you're not committed to it, it's not going to work. Um, the group therapy thing, I don't know if, if I'd be able to do it simply because I find it difficult to speak to people in person. So like doing a podcast over Skype kind of suits me because I can talk to people but I'm in the comfort of my own home Home, but then as soon as I'm in a situation where I am in person I have a few more sort of issues with it and just not like massive issues but just uncomfortableness um, so yeah but like the thing with group therapy is obviously you're sat with a group of people whether it's three or four or five however many it is even if you only speak to them in therapy you learn personal details about people you're they're telling you very personal things which maybe they haven't shared with a great deal of people so you're going to get to know those people really real quick because they're telling you you know I would imagine they go through some of the things that they've been through some of the causes for why they feel like they do it can be and I well it sounds like it helped you a great deal um So, like, for instance, say hypothetically, if you get to a point again where you feel like you're struggling a bit and you're, or you get things are getting a bit too on top for you, would you go, would you sort of go straight back there as a support mechanism to, to kind of like make sure that you didn't sort of go back to feeling as bad as you did before? Or do you feel that because you sort of graduated from there, you feel, just equipped that you can deal with it.
0: Oh no, yourself. no. I I I still need plenty of therapy. Um like I, I graduated from group therapy, but like that just sets me up to be in advanced group therapy. So I like okay. I yeah. I really love group therapy. I love going there. Um and, and I still go see my my individual therapist as well. So I, I would prefer to to see some type of therapist do some type of therapy, um, at least once a week, because not that I, I I doubt myself or anything like that, but I, I just, I just know that it's benefited me so much that I don't want to get away from it. And, And so, yeah, I, I can't imagine giving up like my, my individual therapist or, or my, my group therapist, even if they're like, Hey, you're doing really well. Like, you maybe you don't need us i would be like yeah i i don't care like i'm still gonna show up you're gonna have to you know uh ban me from the building or something because because i'm showing up to get my therapy in yeah and
1: i mean the thing is is like it's uh, it's the best thing you can do i feel with particularly where it's like um sort of depression like mental health conditions i feel like the best thing you can do is talk about it um and so often you like where myself and like you've hit that point where you don't care what happens to you and you, you feel like no one will miss you. Um, you feel alone. So you, you've got yourself to a point where you're not talking to anyone about it because you've almost mentally blocked yourself off from everyone else. And you kind of get lost in your own head. If you like, um, I mean, the thing for me, which always stopped me from sort of finally going there, was was like my mum. I knew what it would do to her, and my brother, and my wife, and obviously my kids and stuff. When when I had them, they were the things. But they, I always say, my wife saved my life because when I met my wife, my lifestyle changed, which made me get a better handle on my own mental health but yeah it's it's a long and difficult road and i feel like the more we encourage people overall to talk about it and address their sort of issues or emotions it can get better and you know compared to where as human race compared to where we were say 10 years ago on from like the stigma attached to mental health issues is, you know, it's the, the, the growth in it and the the way it's perceived now to ten years ago is amazing, and I'm so so pleased that it is. And I do wonder sometimes how many lives have been saved because of that change in attitude and the and the, the stigmas being broken down. There's still work to be done, but you know, I do wonder quite often how many people are just, you know, how many people are still alive because they feel comfortable to now talk where if they had been in that same place 10 years ago, they wouldn't have. I don't know.
0: Right. I I completely agree. Like when I, when I talked about graduating group therapy, like I, I did a DBT work and someone messaged me and was like, I've never heard of DBT before. I Googled it. This sounds like a really cool thing that I might need. And I'm like, Hey, that's like, that's awesome. If you have any questions, let me know. I can try to tell you kind of my experiences with it. And like, I'm not saying this was like this saved this guy's life or anything, but he was clearly at a point where he needed something. And through the messages, like he, he found something that hopefully he, you know, he gets into a program. Hopefully he checks it out and sees what happens. And I, I I agree that it's good that more people are willing to talk about it. I, I, I put that out there all the time. I'm not good at like talking to like you, you were really kind and messaged me and was like, Hey, if you ever need to talk about anything, let me know. We can, you know, I, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm an ear. What you need to vent, whatever. Just let me know. I'm like, I really appreciate that. I, I'm not always great at like talking to people one-on-one. Um, I sometimes I just like to tweet out the emotions and, and get positive like i like when people do reach out i don't want people to think that i'm blowing off uh, blowing them off and being like i appreciate that but i'm never going to talk to you it's it's truthfully like i really do appreciate it because it's good to know that you're just not alone in these situations and i always extend that same courtesy because i feel like i'm better at listening to people and trying to give them advice than like talking about my own feelings on this stuff so yeah if anybody out there if you want to talk about this stuff like my dms are always open feel free to message me i am always down to listen to help in any certain way and when i do put out messages i always appreciate when people just whether it's a like whether it's just a comment of hey you know if you want to talk let me know or hey i'm here for you like i i always appreciate that stuff even if i'm not like dming you every minute to talk about stuff
1: yeah so it's funny that's very very similar to me in that if I took my own advice over the years I'd have probably been in a much better place a lot of the time I can get I can I'm really good at like listening to people that you know if they want to discuss their any problems or issues or things they're having and I can advise them on what they should do and try and help them work through it but when it comes to my own stuff sometimes I don't take my own advice um just I wanted to just circle back to something you said. Um, Do you say DBT? Uh, what What's that stand for?
0: Yeah, um, dialect b- behavior therapy. There's DBT and, and CBT, cognitive um, yeah, behavior I, I therapy.
1: Cognitive one. I hadn't heard of the DBT, so I wanted to just uh, check what that was really.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of like you develop skills, you you try to change the way you you look and think about things. You try to a big thing is like checking the facts. And, and DBT and CBT are, are fairly similar from from my understanding. And I have a limited understanding of, of CBT. Um, but it's a lot of like fact checking and just looking at things in different ways and just developing skills of you know, it's not always to make things feel better because there are some, like, there are some things that just suck and you're allowed to be sad over, you're allowed to be angry over. It's not, like, you need to be happy. I think that's a misconception uh, about mental health um, as well is when people say, like, oh, it's easy, like, just be happy all the time and it's easy to fix yourself. You could just be happy. Like, that. that's not the goal always, like you are allowed to be sad. You are allowed to be angry. The goal of of DBT and I would assume CBT is don't let it get worse. Like don't let that spiral into having thoughts of suicide or any type of other uh, physical harm thoughts. Don't let it get that bad. Like if you're angry, you're angry, do something that it might make you feel better. It might not, but as long as it doesn't get worse, then then that's kind of the the goal with everything and that's what i've i've really learned over the last year is i i it's a shitty situation right now with my grandma and i got a lot of other personal stuff going on and there are a lot of days where i'm just very sad about it and i'm very angry about things and but i never have the thoughts of all right i don't want to be here anymore i've learned to distract myself or do something that that makes me happy on a normal day, maybe it doesn't fully lift my spirits on a day when I'm feeling down, but it also doesn't, but I know it's not going, I'm not just going to sit there and ruminate. I'm going to do this and I'm going to just stay level and I'm not going to be even further down. So that's kind of the thing with DBT is just figuring out skills that'll help you stay level, boost your happiness uh, depending on how you're feeling. And also just kind of, if you have like anxiety, um, kind of look at the way you, you think about things and, and change the way you potentially think and, and see things and ask questions and, and, and check facts.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty similar to CBT. So I'm still doing CBT at the moment. I've got, I think, my last session this week, actually. And um, cool. a lot of that is, like, I'm seeing them for a sort of anxiety at the moment. So, like, a lot of it is, like, trying to change the way I think and when I have like an anxiety attack is trying to change why and thinking about why and thinking about the reality compared to what I'm anxious about. And like you say, like fact checking and stuff. Um, so before we just move on to your uh, your work and your writing and a bit of wrestling, I just wanted to say kind of to everyone who's watching, listening, anything. Um, if, you know, if anyone's affected by any of the issues we just discussed uh my DMs are open, and as Jeremy mentioned, his are as well. Um, and just know that you're never alone. There's always other people who are in the same, similar similar situation. There's always people who you can reach out to, whether they be friends, family, strangers like myself. Um, it's never too late until it's too late. And there's people there who will, you know, there's people everywhere who will do their best to help you. Um, and reaching out to someone is half the battle in my opinion um, and I, that's how I just wanted to say that so uh, let's talk about your work and your writing so you're a full-time writer for Fightful.com now um, where were you you know how? what was your journey to Fightful?
0: Um, I, I'm a full-time writer for a lot of different websites mm-hmm. I, I venture I'm just kind of a not necessarily like freelance pitching stuff but I I I write for a couple of different websites because not always the the most money in in writing, unfortunately. So got to got to make money wherever I can to whoever is willing to pay me. Um, As far as Fightful goes, uh, James Lynch actually uh, was a somebody who Sean was looking for somebody to just cover the UFC um, post fight press conferences. And and James Lynch, um, uh, who I follow on Twitter and is a a friend of mine, he, he retweeted it. And I was like, oh, this sounds like something cool. Like, I'd never really heard of Fightful. And this was... Nearly two years ago, my, my first event was the George St. Pierre Michael Bisbing fight. And yeah, that, that was about two years ago. Um, so I'd never heard a fight or anything like that. And so I was like, well, this sounds like something cool um, that, that I'd be willing to do. So I just shot Sean sh- a message and he was like, yeah, you seem like you'd be a good fit. And so we we got that set up and I started doing that for them. And then last summer, he, he put out a message of like, hey, I need a Uh, a news writer because um this is when when pat fanahan um was was the news writer and he he moved on to i think he's brewing his own beer now which is uh pretty dope um and sean needed a a (laughs) full-time news writer yeah and and sean needed a full-time news writer and i was like hey can i like can i throw my hat in the ring for this and he was like yeah, like, I don't have to interview anybody, like, you're already, you're familiar with this Fightful setup with the system and everything, like, I know your work, I'm familiar with your work, so you're, you're hired, and that's pretty much how I started writing um, the, the full-time news for them, because I'd also done some columns and chipped in with uh, freelance news work whenever they needed, so I was familiar with it just from covering um, the, the post-fight show, so that's, that's really how I got started with Fightful, is just uh, a retweet by james lynch got me going
1: yeah james james lynch is a, a really good guy i had ek he was another one he came on the show um a couple of weeks ago and he's helped me out loads i'd never spoken to him before i sent him a message and said would you come on the podcast so we could chat and he was yes straight away replied straight away he was like yeah i'd love to and then even since then he's been helping me out with like some technical bits and pieces um Sorry, I can't speak highly of him. You could check him out. I think it was episode 37. That could be completely wrong. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, I, I said to Andrew uh, Andrew Thompson, actually, when he was on the show, to me, if you've got a job writing or talking about wrestling, or for me personally, it'd be, if, you, if I could get a job talking or writing about wrestling or football or soccer for you in the, uh, the US, that's like the dream job for me. Because you're just covering something that you're really passionate about. Is that the same for you? Do you still feel like passionate about wrestling as you did perhaps when you were younger?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Maybe my passion has gone down a little bit, but only because, you know, when you're younger, you're not as exposed to the internet and all the behind the scenes stuff and whatnot. So nowadays it's like you can kind of see see things coming a bit more and you, you, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff and, and the gossip. I, I like, I, I like some of that stuff more than uh what what we actually see on screen. But like, that's the only reason my passion has gone down is not because I'm writing about it, but because I'm just older and more yeah. familiar with it, more, more uh, tuned in, I guess, to everything. Uh, but as far as just like watching, it, it really is like a dream job because I, like I write for fightful about wrestling. I, I write for um fan sided about basketball. And those are two of two of my uh favorite sports. And so I'm like I get to write and watch about wrestling, MMA, basketball. Sometimes I'll do like hockey, football, like you know, I'm gonna watch this stuff anyway. I'm gonna yeah. have fun uh watching this stuff anyway. I'm gonna I wanna talk about this stuff with my friends anyway. And I just get paid to do it. Like it's it's tough to complain about that. Yeah, it's
1: it's, a, it's an awesome thing. So um just because you mentioned basketball, um, uh, I am not familiar with basketball whatsoever. I could probably tell you a couple of teams and some players from the nineties, and that's about it. Um but uh Matt know, I know it. I do apologize, Matt. I butchered his name there. Uh, he asked to ask you, uh, do you have any thoughts about the, that guy Nathan McKinnon who is becoming a two-sport hero in basketball and wrestling?
0: I'm pretty sure Matt is trolling. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Damn you, Matt. <laughs> uh, Nathan McKinnon is, is a hockey player on, on my favorite okay. hockey team and uh, he just okay. flipped the lettering around and See? yeah, I think he was trolling based on, on the tweet that I it's put out <laughs> and
1: so uh, I guess I can't be having that. After I and do you know what? I because I'm so unfamiliar with basketball, I was nearly didn't read it because yet but then I thought, well yesterday I did a show with Jeff Hawkins um and I did the same. I said, if anyone's got any questions, shoot them to me. I'm recording at this time. Um and uh, for some reason I had, I woke up this morning and had a load of questions, but it was after I'd recorded it. So I thought, uh, seeing as this guy's setting the question, I'll ask Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> he was trying to, Yeah,
0: Matt Matt is one of my <laughs> uh one of my guys from I, I do daily fantasy sports basketball and uh, he's yeah. always yeah, we're always talking about that. So he's a good dude. He he just decided to troll the troll this one. <laughs>
1: oh that's cool. I don't mind I I enjoy it. So uh it's quite an exciting time in wrestling. At the moment, with AEW ramping up for the fall, it's um, certainly a good time to cover it. What, um, what sort of wrestling did you watch as a kid? Like, what was your sort of go-to wrestling?
0: I I grew up during the the Monday Night Wars era, um, so like you know, everyone says that's pretty much peak wrestling, and I, I guess I would have to agree because I, I was born in eighty-eight. My my first seeing my first wrestling event was 94 is clash of the Champs. 94 95 clash of the champions uh vader against rick flair and and arn anderson that was, that was the first wrestling match i ever watched um, that's a good match for yeah first, uh, first one yeah my dad was flipping through the channels and you know clash of the champions was on tbs and i was like this looks cool like two dudes are just kind of punching each other in the face let's, let's stop it here and after that i was like kind of hooked on it and uh i lived in virginia so we wcw was big in virginia so we would go to the events at the the norfolk scope um before we moved to north carolina so i grew up in the monday night wars era and that's pretty much what i grew up on and i never really got out of it after that and obviously i've gone back and rewatched a lot of the old stuff um but yeah that that's that's what i grew up on i was i was a wcw fan i would say because that's who i was more familiar with but I also recognized when the product was kind of going downhill. And I was also like, I'd like WWE as well. Um, so I, I was a fan of both. I was just a fan of, and, and it's the same thing today. I'm a fan of just good wrestling. I, I don't care which company it is. I, I don't get into the whole company wars. I, I just want to watch something good. Like we dedicate a lot of our time and our life to to watch this stuff. I don't want to sit there for three hours on a Monday night to watch crap like that that's a waste of my time so i i want to watch anything that is good
1: yeah there's nothing worse than that uh, like looking forward to a to a raw, and and then you feel come out of it feeling like your intelligence has been insulted and, and it's just been real shitty tv and it's, it's, it's you always come out of it and just think oh, i really wish i hadn't just wasted three hours watching that but like we said um, before we started recording, it was a lot better last week. So I'm hoping that that's going to be. Uh, it's almost like the WWE knows that their ratings are sliding. They know that AEW's ramping up, and they've got a lot of goodwill, you know, from their fans. And people are going to tune in just to see, uh, you know, see what it is. They've got a good TV deal. Um, It's only good for wrestling, though, isn't it? You know, if AEW starts off hot and their first, you know, month or two is really, really sky-high ratings, you know, for me, the higher their ratings when they start, the better. Because that will make everything that much hotter. Everything will be more interesting because everyone will tune into WWE to see how they'll react. What will Vince do? What will he, you know, how will he change his... Stories, who will he bring in? And again, AEW will want to keep up that hot streak. Um, WWE's biggest problem is they seem to have forgotten how to tell long term stories, and the long term stories they have told over the last few years, they quite often fall into. Like Betty Lynch, they fell into that, it was a heel turn. Daniel Bryan, you know, all these big moments over the last sort of five, six years, they've quite often fallen into rather than had like long-term uh like a long-term view in their creative should we say
0: yeah i i always say that wwe is great at creating moments they're they're not great at creating like like you said like long-term stories like um take for example uh, recently bailey 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 winning the the smackdown women's title at money in the bank huge huge moment got a big pop in the building like everyone went crazy over that moment it was it was a great moment they had done nothing with bailey prior to that i her title reign has been it's been fine i don't think it's really capitalized on what it should have been after she she won that uh won the title from from charlotte but really before that like she was stuck in the the tag team with sasha that went nowhere and they were supposed to get the the better run than they ended up getting and like her singles run since coming up to the main roster has just been not good at all so but they created that moment and they're very good at creating those moments they're not good at just because that's what fans want to see. Like they want to pop. They they want to be entertained. So and they want their favorites to to win and have those moments. They're good at that. The long term stuff, not so much. Like and, as you said with like Kofi Kingston. Like it was never supposed to be Kofi Kingston. It was never supposed to be Daniel Bryan, or, or Becky Lynch. But they got over organically. Credit to WWE for not pivoting and going back to an original plan i don't i don't think they sometimes get the credit they they deserve for that um but like that's the best stuff just stuff that happens organically and not so forced like this shane mcmahon and baron corbin nonsense
1: yeah and i see the thing with the bailey thing it's almost like a prime example of what they i feel they do wrong so often is they don't develop the characters enough they don't if they people will be invested if the characters develop and pivot in different directions and scenarios and they are angry or sad or there's a reason for them for their actions and their reason for their emotions Um, and too often they feel like they're reciting lines and an example of that is bailey now has got this sort of uh, I wouldn't say darker, but she's got a more aggressive edge since she's become champion. But they haven't really explored it or explained it. She's just got it, and she's just not so hugging Bailey. She, you know, she'll almost fight anyone who wants to challenge her. But they never really told a story on how to get there, and I don't feel like they've really fully. Uh, you know, built on it and embraced it and done as much as they could have done with it. It could do, you know, I think it's going okay. I find it more entertaining than Bailey was a year ago. But I feel like it could have been a, a lot hotter if she had snapped on someone and then that was the, or someone had turned on her and then that was the sort of reason why she's more aggressive. I feel like they do that a lot it's like script recite so-and-so wins so-and-so does this rather than this is my character this is his reasons and this is why he's like he is or she's like he is she is and this is how they act and this is how they speak and this is what they would do in this situation i think it gets lost a bit
0: i i think with with bailey and i don't know and maybe I'm I'm giving WWE an out here because I I do try to find logical points that they may or may not use in a way, like the whole darker side of her, Alexa kind of brings that out. You know, Alexa is talking bad behind her back. Bailey's not a fan of that. You can tell, you can kind of retell the story um, that they did a couple years ago with the brutal match at extreme rules and the brutal, like Bailey, this is your life segment. Just Terrible, terrible stuff. And also, and again, th- this is a, a complete pop plot point that WWE may never mention, but the Sasha Banks leaving thing, if and when she comes back, you can use that to explain why Bailey sort of had this turn in character. She felt abandoned by her partner, who she thought was her best friend, and then her partner just decided, I'm going to go home. And then so Bailey went to SmackDown, she wanted to be a single star, there's logic there it's up to WWE to actually fill in those points like if i'm filling it in it's probably not that good because i'm just thinking of this randomly and you know it's not on television nobody else is gonna know that this might be her motivation i'm just filling in some gaps here if they do that the story makes sense though it's just up to them to to fill in those plot points and and i think that's to your point of they kind of just do things because they're told to do things there are those plot points there that they're missing that they just never fill in and it'd be nice if they if they did actually fill those in once in a while
1: oh yeah definitely and and, and I I often think should we have to be filling in those plot points to make their tv or their stories make sense or should they be giving us those plot points along the way to make sense of it. However, I wanted to ask you something then, uh, say Sasha comes back, which hopefully she does. Would you turn Sasha on Bailey or would you turn Bailey on Sasha as a bit of a shock? Should we say?
0: I, I would turn Bailey on Sasha for the reasons that I kind of just mentioned of, you know, she feels that she was abandoned. Like they'd won the titles. They lost them at WrestleMania. You know, Sasha throwing a a temper tantrum um, is not common knowledge, at least on television. All we know is Sasha just disappeared after WrestleMania and Bayley stuck around. So Bayley can just look at that and say, like, you disappeared on me. I didn't know where you were. I succeeded on my own. I didn't need you. I got these people talking behind my back. I got these people ganging up on me. You weren't around, and so she turns, and and that works. If Sasha does it, like Sasha's a much better heel than than babyface, um, it it almost stings Bailey sting is the the wrestler not uh not an adjective um to where she just keeps getting turned on by people who she thinks are her friends uh because yeah. that was that was the big thing with sting back in the day uh so yeah i i would turn bailey and and kind of do something new with that because there's a story there i like i i literally just laid it out i don't know if it's good that's for uh, that's up to yeah, everyone yeah, else to decide but it's certainly a story and it's one that I don't makes know sense. if they're going to do. Yeah, it, it seems to make sense to me. I could be completely wrong.
1: Yeah, I uh, I like stories, which makes sense. i got to be honest. Okay, so I've had a few people tell me that uh, I've been shitting on the WWE a bit of late. Um, I think I've been relatively positive recently. Um, and one of my favorite things for the last couple of months has been the Firefly Funhouse. Um, I just think it's fantastic. And I, it's actually... I've been quite disappointed the last two weeks where it's just been the puppets in the background because when they teleported him out of the last episode, I assumed, you know, the next, next episode of all he was going to be there and he hasn't been. But that, I thought that was some real genius uh, segments, the Firefly Funhouse. So it's not all negative for me. I like something. What else do I like? I like the club back together. And I really, really hope they put Finn with them. Um, I'd like to see the four of them as a group, especially if they're just going to do a whole new draft. You know, get get the four of them together. Um, there's stories to be told. And I quite like the idea, particularly with Heyman and Bischoff in charge, of having a little bit of a... Do you remember, like, in the 90s, where you had... Um, you had like Los Bariquas Veriqu- uh, and the, what was the motorbike ones? DOA. Mm-hmm. And, you, had, you know, you had the Nation and DX and you had all these stables. And they what they did very well is you had like the main, main feuds or the main event feuds, which involved the stable, like the corporation and the ministry. And then what they did is they did quite well is they built undercard feuds within those stables, whether it was tag teams or European titles or whatever it may be. I think I'd quite like to see like a bit of a, a stable wars uh you know, just for a while. Because I feel like you could have the club with the four of them, you could have Shane's Corporation 2.0 with the revival and Drew and Baron. <sighs> New Day. You could if they decide they're gonna bring up the Undisputed Era, you've got them. You could add someone to Daniel Bryan and Rowan uh, Rowan. Um, and my idea, which I uh, laid out to Andrew Thompson, so I'm not going to lay out all. My idea for Wyatt was uh, when he comes back is to have a big stable, so not the usual three guys, which WWE seems to love. It's like three guys, three guys, three guys. It's I said they should have uh, Wyatt Harper, Cross, Nikki Cross, um, Killian Dane. And Punishment Martinez it was I think on oh, Eric Young so there were six of them Um and I said because that would make him completely different to everything else and then put them up against Shane's corporation because the one thing I've always wanted to see from Bray Wyatt which they've never done is like an anti-hero push as like a sort of face tweener versus like The authority and that sort of anti-corporate thing. Um, Sorry, I went off on a massive tangent. Then Um, there was no question in there; it was just like no. I
0: like I like the idea of like larger stables. I'm very interested in what they're going to do with Bray Wyatt because I'm with you that the Firefly Funhouse stuff has been. Really, the best segments on Raw for however long they've been airing, and, and Raw was actually like good last week. Um, and there hasn't been any Firefly Funhouse for the past couple of weeks because they've just done the the puppet cameos. Um, but but those those videos are just excellent in in so many different ways. And I'm very interested to see what they do with Bray Wyatt when he actually returns to the ring because. Like we we don't know what he's going to be. He's always been a good promo. He's always been a good, like, he can you can a cult leader kind of guy. It just kind of flamed out because they didn't push him as strong in the ring. He just kept losing. And it's like, all right, this guy's a cult leader who says he's gonna rule the world and keeps losing all these matches. How much credibility does he really have? And that's the the tough part with Bray is he's got a one-win matches or two, have people around him who are going to win matches. And that, that'll be why I'm more interested in this Funhouse stuff because the segments are good. At some point, he does have to appear in front of the live audience and, and wrestle a match and hopefully beat somebody and, and tell more of a story than just hosting a dark kid show.
1: Yeah, I think my big thing is, one, he's got to win, and two his master plans have got to work so often he comes up with this like devious long-term plan and it blows up in his face when it's supposed to be sort of peaking whether it's Daniel Bryan coming into the White family and then within a couple of weeks whether it was a good or a bad idea his, his big plans so often end up with him losing and um, I feel like that needs to change The one thing I, or the things I like about the Firefly Funhouse segments is, if you're just a casual viewer who doesn't pay much attention to the internet and just watches raw, it's like a good, interesting, something different segment. If you're a kid, it's creepy and interesting. If you're more of a hardcore viewer who watches everything and reads everything, it's got little Easter eggs in the background with the characters, the paintings, and it—it's not. The, the commentators aren't saying, oh, look, there's Huskers the pig who's based on Husky Harris and this and this. They were, they're assuming that you're intelligent enough to work it out and you're intelligent enough, or you've got long term memory enough to remember. And that's what I want from my TV program is that they assume that I'm intelligent enough to work it out without having to have it repeated 20 times during a show. Um, and I want to be rewarded for long-term viewing and things like that. They they do really do it for me. So um I'm doing it for time. So just before we as we finish off now, what do you feel about uh Paul Heyman and Bischoff's appointments? How do you think they will go? Were you surprised?
0: Uh yeah, definitely. I remember uh d- Andrew and Sean were supposed to take the day off that day, and then this news broke. And Sean's like, "Well, guess I'm working today." Uh, that that's the the running joke with us is anytime Sean takes a day off or says it's going to be a quiet one, crazy news is going to happen. So full disclosure to everybody, Sean is taking off Thursday and Friday of this week. Expect <laughs> the Rock Something to join AEW. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen, but something big is going to happen. It was definitely a surprise um it seems like Heyman has some influence based on last week, and I think that was the the biggest concern is all right if they're if, are these guys put in this position as as puppets of just it, everything's still going to run through Vince and no matter what they say, Vince is going to shoot it down or not, or are they going to have actual power and be able to change the shows? And it looks like at least from last week on raw, I don't, I don't know when Bischoff is supposed to start. Um, cause he hasn't been around heyman has been there every week and has kind of influenced some things over the past year anyway it looks like they're going to have some actual power and they're going to get their ideas out there to the public. And I'm fine with that. I, I like Paul Heyman. I, his ECW stuff. I don't think it holds up great nowadays, but he's a, he's a smart guy. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to accentuate positive uh, and mass negatives. Um, Eric Bischoff. Yes. He did a lot of things wrong in WCW. Yes. He did a lot of things right in WCW. I like what Bischoff has said in, like, interviews and podcasts um, recently when talking about the current product, so that gives me hope that he will make the necessary changes. I think it's a good thing, no matter how you look at it, because it's not necessarily something new, but it is something different and not Vince McMahon, and as long as Vince is willing to let go of the reins a little bit, then we can see something different. And we saw, we saw a little bit of that um, last Monday with Raw, and, and that should make people feel fairly optimistic.
1: Yeah, I think so. Paul Heyman's got his finger on the pulse, both in terms of the current product with WWE, NXT. He knows how to promote and write interesting, compelling TV. He's also got his finger on the pulse in what's going on outside of WWE, with the indies and AEW. You know, he knows what's going on, as opposed to you kind of get the impression that Vince doesn't. He's in his WWE bubble and that's it. And so I think that's a big benefit uh, from Heyman. Um, and like I say, both are certainly capable of writing compelling TV and good character work. Bischoff, I'm a bit more unsure with because his last few wrestling project, projects haven't ended well. Um, but he, you know, he's older, he's wiser. At the end of the day, Vince is still going to have the, uh, you know, the final say, um, but last, last week's war was certainly an improvement in a big way. Um, and I've read a few things on social media t- yesterday and today saying that one of the things Heyman wants to do is bring in teenagers and young people back to the project. Which I think is vital because they're your fans in twenty years time. Um so you don't want to lose those and they have been.
0: Yeah, um, Sean Sean just posted a report today that uh you know WWE is looking to target that, that eighteen to thirty-four demographic again. And I think that was fairly obvious with how Raw went last week with the the more laid back kind of vibe, you know, guys crashing through the stage, the the cursing, uh, the more risque angles with uh, Maria Kanellis being pregnant and stuff like that. So it definitely sounds like. And I'm with you, you. You made a good point about the the Firefly Funhouse stuff. On you don't have an announcer saying, "Hey, that's Huskis," a callback to Husky Harris, who was Bray Wyatt at NXT. I hate that in WWE. I don't need Michael Cole narrating what I'm watching on television. Just let me watch it. I understand what's going on. I'm, I'm not I'm not an idiot. I get yeah. what's happening in front of my eyes. I don't need you to narrate every single thing for me.
1: Oh, yeah. I was um, a little bit disappointed that Triple H, I was kind of hoping... That when I read, when I started reading the article about Heyman and Bischoff, I was kind of hoping it was going to say that they would answer to Triple H, and that Vince was going to concentrate on XFL and sort of say it was like a temporary thing for just while the XFL launches, and then maybe it would become a permanent thing in the future. But you no, know, Vinnie Max still got the uh, still got the reins, but he has adapted in the past when he is needed to um so he is capable of adapting what his product is it's just been a very long time since he has uh i think that's the most polite way to put it
0: (laughs) what are you talking about he knows how to create stars everything is fine that's what they tell investors anyway (laughs)
1: That's it. Everything is fine. It's not about the viewers who are just sliding down. It's about social media, minutes watched, and all this type of jazz. Um, Pretty much. So, uh, thank you for joining me, Jeremy. I don't want to keep you too long. Let you get back to work. So, um, (laughs) tell the people where they can find you on the Twitter machine
0: yeah I'm on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88 um, I just launched a patreon and I think that's how you say it uh, talking about the what we talked about earlier kind of my mental health it's gonna be a lot of sports writing but also a lot of like mental health stuff. And I'm still trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with it. But that's patreon.com slash Jeremy Lambert88. Basically if you Google Jeremy Lambert88, you're gonna find some type of link to a social account that I probably run because that's what I've branded myself as. Um so yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I love, love talking about mental health. When you when you DM me and was like, hey can we talk about this? Um I was like, yes, I would rather talk about this over wrestling. Not that I don't love wrestling, but mental health has become like a really big passion of mine. So I'm I'm really glad that uh we could we could talk about that and get a lot of that stuff out in the open. Cause I, I as you said it's very important to just reach out to people. That is that's literally half the battle. I think I used literally wrong, but that is to me half the battle. Um and just don't be afraid to talk about that stuff. Don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. It's If you're struggling, please reach out to me. Reach out to Sai. Like, just, it's okay. Somebody is out there. Somebody cares.
1: Spot on. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and I will also put, as I always do, the uh, some links in the description on the YouTube video to some mental health charities uh, just so if there is anyone struggling, they can easily find it from the video. Uh guys, be sure to check out FIFA.com. Uh see Jeremy and Andrew and Sean and everyone's work. Um you should put a podcast on your Patreon, J- Jeremy, as well. That's uh,
0: like I, I've got ideas for my Patreon. I I launched it to talk about the NBA and NHL free agency last week and it was poor timing because I went on vacation last week. So I couldn't like do a whole lot with it. So this week is the first week where I'm really gonna sit down and figure out what I'm actually going to do um, with the site and the kind of content that I wanna put out there on the site. But I'm excited about the idea because it allows me to just kind of create my own content at my own leisure. Um, and and, and that, that, that excites me and you know i still got my, my stuff going on with with fightful and uh fan-sided so yeah it's a it's a good time as as i wrote like i couldn't imagine being where i'm at today where I, compared to where i was 2 years ago like i i was ready to end it all 2 years ago and then 2 years later i really feel like for the most part my life is as good as it's ever been so just a lesson out there for everybody. If you are feeling down, if you are feeling like it is rock bottom, talk to somebody. Don't. It's not. Things will and can get better. It takes work. It takes effort. You gotta. You gotta definitely do that. Um, but you can do it, and things will certainly get better if you are willing to put in that work and that effort.
1: Amen to that. Um, guys, you can keep up to date on upcoming shows and content on our Twitter page, which is uh, at AceCast underscore Nation. You can follow and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash AceCastNation. Subscribe on YouTube, hit the bell for notifications. Uh, all our shows are available on in audio. Uh, download uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podcast.co and a few others. Uh, thank you again, Jeremy, for coming on. Thank you guys for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.